Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It's the biggest week of the sports calendar. We got college football in full swing, pro football in full swing, the start of basketball season, start of hockey season, baseball playoffs, and the WNBA Finals between the Liberty and the Aces. BetOnline Sportsbook has you covered, and if you use our promo code BLEAVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, you can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the link in the description of this episode, no matter the sport. BetOnline, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night, however, and whenever you may be listening, thank you for stopping on into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast, live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast, and podcasts aren't live. It's the whole purpose of this wacky and fun podcast thing. You can listen however and whenever it is that you so choose, and we appreciate that you have decided to stop in here on this show, however and whenever it is that you may be choosing. Welcome, welcome. It's a fantabulous October 25th, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in, however and whenever it is that you so choose. We've got a fun-filled episode planned for you today, and you know what direction we're headed. You guessed probably by the title of this episode, we're traveling to our baseball Star Wars universe, where a raging battle between the San Diego Emp- uh, the San Diego Resistance and the evil Holy Dodger Empire reigns throughout the galaxy. We gotta talk about baseball. The World Series is set, and we are feeling excited for it. Time for the epic conclusion to our Star Wars Empire Strikes Back season in our Major League Baseball trilogy. Episode 5, The Dodger Empire Strikes Back. After five days of battles, a perfect 13 innings from the bullpen fleet, and help from a rally goose... Captain Juan Soto and the San Diego Resistance blew up the Holy Dodger Empire's 111-win Death Star, restoring a balance to the Force. After their incredible victory, the Resistance discovers they still have much to learn after a journey to the Dagobah system and a visit to Master Harper on the swamp planet known as Philadelphia. Meanwhile, the Holy Dodger Empire grows in wealth, pillaging the backs of Diamond and Purple Rockies once more for resources. The Empire has removed Captains Trey and Justin Turner, while banishing Cody Bellinger to the north side. 
Master Cohen and his Met Army of Queens continue spending their unprecedented resources in an attempt to maintain control of their empire state along the eastern seaboard. In addition, Master Cohen and his Met Army of Queens, along with the Holy Dodger Empire, prepare themselves for the impending arrival of Master Otani, the fabled Jedi Knight from Anaheim, who legend says has the ability to master and control both sides of the Force. Despite their successes, the Resistance is losing resources and ground, trying to compete with the tyranny of the Holy Dodger Empire. They've fled to the backs of Diamond in order to re-coordinate their efforts for the following season. In their time of need, Captain Juan Soto enlists help from a former Resistance ally, Fernando Calrissian, also known as El Nino. The Resistance also pays a hefty price for Xander Bogart's defection from the once great Boston Empire. With the help of Captain Soto, the return of El Nino, Xander the Carpenter, Joe Musgrove, Jedi Master Manny Machado, and Supreme Closer Lord Hader, the Resistance knows this season will be their best chance to dismantle the Holy Dodger Empire once and for all. All right, we have traveled deep into the swamp planet known as Philadelphia, and we have emerged with a World Series matchup. And look, Razor Rosenthal, our friend who is one of the best gambling experts I've come across in all my years, who has consistently been a friend of the show time and time again, Razor Rosenthal is going to join us on Thursday, and so... I think that's when I want to do the full World Series preview. So I didn't want to do kind of the X's and O's breakdown of what the World Series is going to look like. And I also didn't really want to dive too deep into the National League side of things, although there are very interesting stories from that seven-game series. Uh, as we were figuring out how do we want to break down the baseball here uh, from, you know, the, since the last week that we talked about baseball, because the last baseball episode we did, if my math is correct, is last Wednesday when it was 2-0 Rangers over the Astros. And uh, a lot happened in the time since that game. Uh, you had a Wednesday game where the Astros beat the living shit out of the Texas Rangers. Like, when they were down 2-0, going back to Texas, the Rangers had a chance to close out a series with a 2-0 lead. They won the two games in Houston. Houston beat the crap out of them in Game 3. And then they won Game 4, like, 10-3. Even though it was 3-3 at one point in the game, they ended up winning, like, 10-3. And it was 2-2, and the series was living up to all the hype. The road team had won all four games in that Texas and Houston series. And then on Friday... That game five between Texas and Houston, the game that I had originally hoped would be Texas and Houston's winner-go-home deciding game, because remember back from June onward, I said Texas and Houston would be an epic five-game series because those teams have basically been doing a Spider-Man meme of each other the entire season. 
as I say that, Game 5 of Texas and Houston ends up being the best baseball game from a drama standpoint that has been played in five years, ten years. Like, it's hard to find a baseball game that was more exciting and more dramatic than Game 5 between the Houston Astros and the Texas Rangers. There was a lot going on in my life this weekend, but that would have been the type of game that we throw on the microphones and do a live reaction to a year ago or two years ago. I don't think there's been a baseball game that quite matches the intensity of that Texas Rangers versus Houston Astros Game 5 quite like... I think in the history of this podcast, at the very least, we started doing this podcast in the summer of 2019. So this is the fifth baseball postseason. God, that makes me feel so weird. Not old. Weird is the best way I can describe it. And that was a year, by the way, in 2019 that had a Game 7 in the World Series, similarly where the road team won all seven games in the series. It's only happened twice in the history of baseball. It was the 2019 World Series and this series. But that entire... I don't think there's been a better baseball game with more intensity and more drama than that Game 5 between the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros. And... I just want to focus in on everything that happened in that series from that Game 5 onward because this is why I enjoy doing the sports talk radio stuff and this is why I enjoy doing this podcast type of stuff. It's for the long-form podcasting conversations that we can have out of it. We've done podcasts in the past where we do the X's and O's breakdown of the game and the reaction and the preview and all sorts of stuff. But when you get a chance to do storytelling, like what Adolis Garcia just did for the Texas Rangers, these are the type of stories that I find to be the most amazing in sports and the reason why I love this podcasting medium. It's to tell stories like this. Hell, I'm giving this story right now and I'm getting emotional. I can feel myself getting a little uh, teary-eyed at the idea of telling this story because it's just so goddamn amazing. Two of my favorite players in all of Major League Baseball right now are Randy Rosarena and Adolis Garcia. And their two stories are so interconnected that it's an absolutely amazing, amazing story. And now Randy Rosarena, who is the playoff hero of 2020. I mean, I, I will never forget how crazy it was that Randy Rosarena, who set the MLB record for most home runs in a postseason, despite the fact that during the pandemic season, he made $90,000 for the Tampa Bay Rays. Randy Rosarena made $90,000 in a season where he hit the most home runs in the history of a Major League Baseball postseason. And then Randy Rosarena from Cuba, who ends up leaving the country at 16 years old, defecting from a country that was not free, that punishes people for leaving the country and punishes the family of the people left behind as a deterrent to, ha- to prevent them from defecting. Randy Rosarena defects from Cuba at 16 years old, goes through Mexico because the United States doesn't have the wet foot, dry foot policy that they used to have, where if people made it from Cuba to the United States, they would be allowed to stay with a a U.S. 
with a U.S. migrant visa or a U.S. refugee visa that doesn't quite exist anymore. So Randy Orozarena goes from Cuba to Mexico, spends years in Mexico going through their baseball system, ultimately gets signed by the St. Louis Cardinals. The St. Louis Cardinals give him up for basically nothing to go to the Tampa Bay Rays and Randy Orozarena, when he gets to Tampa as the 26th out of 26 guys on their playoff roster, ends up having one of the greatest postseason runs of all time in 2020. And then three years later, Randy Orozarena ends up playing for Team Mexico at the World Baseball Classic, which Randy Orozarena had to petition the Mexican president in order to get the, the, the citizenship qualifications in order to play for the World Baseball Classic for Mexico and became a person who was using that platform of not just playing at the World Baseball Classic for Mexico, but dominating at the World Baseball Classic for Mexico. The best player on the team who led Mexico to the quarter uh, to the semifinal at the World Baseball Classic. And in the semifinal of the World Baseball Classic, after already having like four home runs and amazing defensive plays and stolen bases and all sorts of fun shit at the World Baseball Classic robs a home run for a Japanese player and after he robs the home run just still face folds his arms under his folds his hands under his armpits and stands there in what is one of the most badass moments in the history of baseball Randy Orozarena who used his platform to push back against the Cuban to met to talk about what was happening with the Cuban government and the, the team being a propaganda machine for the Cuban government and the Cuban people not being free and the um, Vida y Patriana movements that are going on in Cuba. Like Randy Arosarena was using his platform to highlight that Cuba is not a free country and that the people of Cuba are suffering under the dictatorship of the Castro regime. Obviously, Fidel Castro is dead, but the, the Castro regime is still in power in Cuba and Randy Rosarena was just an absolutely awesome player who was super easy to root for. The reason I bring this up is because we did two whole episodes, not just on Randy Rosarena, but on the World Baseball Classic back in March. And now, fast forward six months, seven months to the Major League Baseball playoffs, and you have another story of Randy Rosarena's best friend, godfather of... Adolis Garcia's children is Randy Orozarena. I can't remember the direction that it is, but I believe Adolis Garcia is the godfather of Randy Orozarena's children, also coming from Cuba when he's 16 years old to the United States, signing with the St. Louis Cardinals, the two of them being together in the Cardinals organization as two, not just two players from Cuba who are in the same minor league organization, two black Cuban baseball players who leave uh, Cuba in their teenage years. They're only a couple years apart in age. And both of them making their way through this incredibly complex minor league baseball system with, with not being top level prospects. The Cardinals gave away Randy Arosarena for free to Tampa Bay. Adolis Garcia, and you've probably seen this story going around recently over the past couple days, Adolis Garcia in 2019 was designated for assignment by the St. Louis Cardinals. Any team could have had him at that time. No team claimed him back in 2019. Uh, I believe he was a Rule 5 pick and ended up getting picked up by Texas. In 2021, Texas designated him for assignment 
prior to the 2021 season, any of the 30 teams in baseball could have had him again. Nobody picked him up. Adolis Garcia was a a, uh, spring training invite to the team in 2021, ended up making the Rangers in a year where they were going to lose 100 games. And he made an all-star team that year in 2021. I remember going to Dodger Stadium in the summer of 2021 and seeing Adolis Garcia hitting as the four-hitter for the Texas Rangers, a team that was about to go on and to lose 100 games. And he was the four-hitter who had been a, a spring training invite, not projected to make the initial roster, was DFA'd. Any team in baseball could have claimed him to their active roster. Nobody did. He was a training camp in uh, a spring training invite to Texas, and since then he's made two All Star teams, competed in a home run derby, and is now one of the thirty best hitters in all of Major League Baseball. What's so amazing is that the story of Randy Rosarena and the story of Adolis Garcia, two baseball players who were essentially castoffs for from in the sport, they were rotating through the minor league system. Both of them had incredible journeys, and they're this quintessential, not just American baseball story, but just this quintessential immigrant story in the first place, where you have Randy Rosarena going from Cuba to Mexico, uh, then uh, essentially getting Mexican citizenship, and from that point wanting to then uh, use that platform as a Mexican citizen, as someone who found freedom to advocate for people who hadn't found freedom back in Cuba. And you have Adolis Garcia in a similar camp where he was a wanderer in baseball. He was someone who wanted to, who again, left a country that was not free to end up migrating around the United States, playing minor league baseball for years and years with no prospects of ever making it consistently to the major leagues like he was one of those players that would you know after his career was over either be able to stay in America or migrate back to Mexico and play in Mexican professional leagues maybe he'd go play in the Dominican Republic Adolis Garcia at one point did go to play in the Korean baseball league Adolis Garcia is one of those players that you don't hear about all the time because there's stories of uh, players migrating from Cuba or migrating from a country that doesn't have freedom, and then once you get to the United States, you have this massive level of baseball success. Um, When the Cardinals outrighted him, he went and played a season in Korea back in 2019, and then ended up signing with Texas at the end of the pandemic season, and then again, like I said, Ross training camp, uh, spring training invite wasn't even part of their 40-man roster originally, made the team to start the season, a team that would lose 100 games. He was their lone all-star that season because baseball has a mandatory all-star for every team. He was their one all-star. He hit 30 homers as a rookie, and Adolis Garcia was the one bright spot of a Texas Ranger team that hadn't made the playoffs in five years and was getting ready to rebuild again because they had tried to do it smart. Texas had tried to do the money ball strategy of being frugal spending, developing a farm system. You get a Lance Lynn over here, a Mike Miner, like little pickups here and there, and it just didn't work. They never got close to the playoffs again. And so with the foundation of Adolis Garcia... Texas just decided to spend stupid money. We talked about it last week with Texas and Houston. Like Texas, there is nothing special about Texas. What Texas essentially did is say, if we spend X amount of dollars in this strategic way, we can buy ourselves 90 wins in Major League Baseball. They 
paid $300 million for a World Series MVP in Corey Seager, $180 million to lock down their number one batting position and their second baseman for seven years in signing Marcus Semien. Instead of drafting and developing to find a second baseman of the future, they said, nope, we will spend $170 million, and that will secure us a number one hitter and a second baseman for the next seven years. They did that. They signed Nathan Eovaldi for $100 million, and that signing went even better than they had originally anticipated, but at the time they had said, We spend $100 million, we have a number two starter. We spend another $180 million, we get Jacob deGrom as our number one starter, a former Cy Young Award winner. We trade for Max Scherzer, there's a number three. You know, Texas essentially said if we spend this amount of money, we can buy ourselves 90 wins within a baseball that is very much the haves and have-nots. But the foundation of what Texas was building was around a couple of players who were developed through their own system. And those players were AL Rookie of the Year, soon to be maybe Josh Young, and Adolis Garcia, a player who went to play in Korea, a player who was not expected to be anything on their team, was, again, not was outrighted. Any team could have claimed him in 2021. And then every team passed on him, was expected to be in Texas's minor league system, maybe was going to go back to Korea if he didn't make it up to Texas's 40-man roster. And Adolis Garcia is not just a story of someone migrating from Cuba and then making this uh, this living in baseball in the United States and in Korea. And if he hadn't made it with the Rangers, maybe in the Dominican League or in the Mexican League, like this is the story that's not supposed to come true. It's against every single odd you still finding baseball success in your second or third try around. Uh, at 28 years old, finally, as a 28-year-old rookie, breaking out in a sport for a team that's going to lose 100 games. So fast forward to now Game 5 of the American League Championship Series in 2023. Like I said, Texas spent $250 million, almost a billion dollars committed over 10 years to Corey Seager as a World Series MVP, a second baseman and a leadoff hitter in Marcus Semien, a number one starter in Eovaldi, uh, signing Jacob deGrom for $180 million, and then he tore his elbow, uh, uh, signing, uh, sorry, brain fart there, uh, signing, trading for Max Scherzer in the midst of all of that. Uh, Texas made a bunch of strategic moves that then culminated with we're just going to throw an ungodly amount of money at Bruce Bochy to come out of retirement and manage our team because every team in baseball wanted to throw money at Bruce Bochy. The Mets, the Padres, everyone wanted to throw, the Yankees, the Dodgers, everyone wanted to just throw money at Bruce Bochy and have him come out of retirement. Bruce Bochy must be getting an ungodly amount of money to manage the Texas Rangers. And the Rangers won 90 games. They didn't win the division. But what they essentially bought themselves was a ticket into the Major League Baseball carousel of a playoff. And they beat the Tampa Bay Rays of Randy Rosarena, who were essentially a below 500 team from May onward. Got to the ALDS. Happened to match up against Toronto. Or sorry, against uh, Baltimore. When I thought Texas and and Houston were going to match up in the DS... And both teams would have an equal chance in a five-game series because there's no way that series wasn't going to go five. Texas 
beat the brakes off of a Baltimore team that didn't have any playoff experience. And while, again, Texas had never been to the playoffs before as this collective team, Corey Seager's a World Series MVP. Marcus Semien had been to the playoffs a number of times. Nathan Uvalde closed out Game 4 of the World Series for the te- for Boston back in 2018. Like, this is a team that uh, Max Scherzer's a World Series champion and one of the five winningest pitchers in the history of playoff baseball like Texas had those people there and so we fast forward to game five of the American League Championship Series between Dynastic Houston in the Star Wars metaphor the clone army and Texas and in a two-to-one game in the sixth inning with two runners on base after in the top of the sixth inning they the Texas Rangers had the bases loaded one out and ended up allowing no runs in a two to one Astros lead in the sixth inning Adolis Garcia with two runners on base hits a giant home run off of Justin Verlander in which he stares down the home run and just does one of the most bad ass things I have seen which is stares down the home run stares down the home run looks to the dugout and just gronk spikes his bat into the ground in a a home run that at the time put Texas up four to two in their final home game no matter what because win or lose that game that was going to be their last home game of the series spikes the bat Hits a three-run homer, stomps the last four steps to home plate, stomps on home plate, and is just having the moment of his life. An absolute... Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. God moment for Adolis Garcia. And then Houston, when they see him again in the bottom of the eighth, has Brian Abreu in the game. It's still 4-2 at the time. It's a 4-2 game. Adolis Garcia comes up. First pitch from Brian Abreu drills Adolis Garcia in the shoulder. And Adolis Garcia, intentional or not, turns to Martin Maldonado, the catcher of the Houston Astros, and just starts yelling at him. And then they break it up, and then Adolis Garcia is being held back by Jordan Alvarez, his friend who's also a Cuban baseball player who plays for the Houston Astros. Jordan Alvarez is holding back Adolis Garcia, and Adolis Garcia is trying the best he can to get around Jordan Alvarez so he can go punch Martin Maldonado in the head. Like, Adolis is pissed. The bench is clear. The game stops for 12 minutes. Brian Abreu gets ejected and ultimately suspended two games. Adolis Garcia gets ejected. Like, it was. Everyone is about to lose it. They are on edge. And it's one of those moments where, like, oh, yeah, Texas is up 4-2. to two. Texas is probably going to win this game. But now you've got beef going into game six. And baseball beef in the playoffs is something that is so rare. Like, the last moment like this that I could remember where 
there was beef between the player who hit the home run and the team against them was like Jose Batista and Toronto against Texas eight years ago. Like eight years ago is the last time you had a moment quite like this where it is a home run that rings so loud that the opposing team is willing to... And by the way, opposing team that didn't really have a problem with with throwing bats and bat flipping and all sorts of stuff that used to be part of unwritten rules in baseball. A team that was so pissed that they threw at the guy and got him ejected in the next at bat, which is often a sign of defeat. Like very often that is a moment of, hey, we have just lost this because that is where we've resorted to. And after that happened, it looked like Texas is going to win game three or game five. They're going to go back to Houston. It's three, two, all that stuff. They just got to win one game. And then in the top of the ninth inning, we have Houston getting a walk in their first at-bat. They pinch hit John Singleton, who him and of itself, like in the middle of all of this chaos of a home run that rings louder than any home run in years, a spiked bat, a home run, a bat flip, uh, a stomping on home plate, a throwing at someone, a bench clearing brawl, a game five that was already ridiculously intense. You have a walk in the ninth to bring the tying run to the plate. And in the middle of all of that, John Singleton comes up to pinch hit. And God bless Joe Davis's heart, man. Joe Davis was trying his best to meet the moment while also trying to humanize this person of like, hey, John Singleton was a former top prospect who was out of baseball for five years and dealing with drug abuse and then unretiring from the sport and then miraculously making it back to Major League Baseball through the Korean Baseball Organization and uh, Minor League Baseball miraculously made it back to the league eight years later and now is the 26th man out of 26 on Houston's roster after, you know, three years ago, Randy Odosarena was 26 out of 26 on Tampa's roster and had this miraculous playoff run. Just dropped into all of it is, hey, John Singleton's about to have his first playoff at bat after being out of baseball for five years and battling drug abuse. And John Singleton draws a walk to now have runners on second and first with no outs in a 4-2 game to bring up Jose Altuve, one of the greatest hitters in the history of baseball, one of the best clutch hitters in the history of baseball, and he launches a three-run homer over the left field fence. And literally, as I'm standing there in my living room watching that happen, my only reaction is, you've got to be fucking kidding me. (laughs) Like, the drama couldn't have been more intense in that moment. Texas had the game won. Like, if you had scripted this up in a movie, this would be the perfect Astros win. Like, yes, the other team hits the loud ringing home run off of Justin Verlander, and they spike the bat, and they stomp on home plate, and then the villains, the villainous Astros, throw at the guy who is loud and brash in the biggest moment of his baseball career. The guy who is so easy to root for in Adolis Garcia. The the villainous Astros throw the ball at him. It's a bench-clearing brawl in the eighth inning of the biggest game of the season. And then you get to the ninth inning and Jose Altuve hits a three-run homer to give Houston a 5-4 lead. Like, could not have movie-scripted villainy even better than that. That was a perfect 
movie script for the villainous Houston Astros to throw at Adolis Garcia, to create a bench-clearing brawl. Like, the, the, the evil psychology of that, of, like, they flinched, and now we, the ro- the clone army, is going to roll out there, and when they flinch, we're going to take advantage of it, and now we're up 5-4, to four, and nobody's going to understand how the hell we're up 5-4, to four, but now we just snuck out Game 5, and now we're up 3-2 in the series, going back home for Game 6 and 7. Like, just perfect perfect Star Wars villains the Houston Astros played the role of in that moment. Like, you couldn't have scripted any better how the Astros turned the tides by getting Texas to to freak out when they threw at them, and the, the, the evil psychology of playing dirty, and that being what turned the tides for the Astros. Like, could not have scripted any better how that one goes. And Houston wins Game 5, 5-4 to four, in what was one of the best baseball series I can remember. Because that was Adolis Garcia's moment, right? Adolis Garcia, who was never supposed to make it to that point. Adolis Garcia, who was having the greatest moment of his base, like the culmination of an incredible baseball journey from... 40th guy on the roster who made the team that lost 100 games, but he hit 40 home runs and was the one sign of hope on a team that could afford to take a chance on him at a time where they were terrible. Like a third, a 28-year-old rookie who now two years later is a 30-year-old all-star having the biggest moment of his baseball life to bring Texas within one game of the World Series. And then it all got taken away because they flinched at the end. Because the clone army resorted to dirty psychology tactics of throwing at the player and starting a fight and then emerging from the fight and feeling like they had Texas on edge. Like, it was perfect villainous moment by the Houston Astros. And then we got to game six. And in game six, Texas was winning most of the way pretty securely. You know, it was four to two here. Uh, It was 3-1. Texas has a little bit of a lead as the game's going along. Uh, In the 8th inning, they jump out to a 5-2 lead. There's two outs in the 8th inning, and Adolis Garcia comes up to bat after, during this game where Texas is winning, you know, they're up 3-1. Corey Seager hit a a big home run early in the game. Uh, Texas is clearly playing like the better team. Again, uh, I think they scored three runs in the first inning. Texas scored three runs in the first inning off of Framber Valdez, the former World Series hero for the Astros. And they're up four to two. They get a fifth run. Adolis Garcia has struck out four times in this game. After he got ejected in the previous game, he comes back and he's 0 for 4. But Texas is still winning. He struck out four times. But Texas is still winning. And with the score 5-2 to two in the 8th inning of Game 6, and the base is loaded and two outs, Adolis Garcia crushes a Grand Slam. Crushes a Grand Slam. Makes it so that the final score of that game is 9-2. to two. Looks like Texas had beat the brakes off of Houston. And in a way they did. They led from the first inning onward. But Adolis Garcia hits a grand slam 
in the eighth inning to pop the balloon. And now we're going to a game seven. In the best baseball series we have seen in years, we're going to game seven. Two teams that since June I talked about being evenly matched, talked about wanting to watch in a playoff series. Now we're going to a game seven. And what does Adolis Garcia do in that game seven? He has his ultimate hero moment. The player who defects from Cuba through the minor league rotation of baseball players in his mid-20s, no prospects of a major league future. Cardinals put him on waivers in 2019. Ends up signing with the... uh, Goes to play in Korea for a season. Comes back to the majors at the end of a pandemic season at 27 years old. As a 27-year-old rookie finally gets his first major league appearance, he made seven at-bats for a Texas team that finished dead last in the American League West. Texas put him on waivers. Any team could have claimed him at the end of the season. Nobody wanted him. If it meant losing a roster spot before spring training, no one wanted him. When he cleared waivers, Texas brought him back with a spring training invite. Most of the time, players who go through that are either going to be double-A or triple-A players. Many of them go to play in places like Korea or the Dominican Republic or Mexico during the season. Adolis Garcia made the team, hit 40 homers in his first full season in the majors. Texas lost 100 games. He made an all-star team, the only one bright spot on a Texas team that was years away from any kind of contention. Two years later, is now a 30-year-old all-star instead of a 28-year-old rookie. And now Adolis Garcia... The guy who's inserted himself as taking on the entire Astros army by himself. Like, we have the physical image of him chasing after the Astros and trying to fight down the Astros in the middle of the biggest moment of his baseball life. You have Adolis Garcia in Game 7 against the Houston Astros clone army going 4 for 5. Two home runs. He hit a uh, his first at bat. He hit a baseball to left field that he stared down out of the batter's box until it hit the fence two feet below, hitting a home run. So he's two feet away from a home run in his first at bat. Then he hits a home run in his second at bat. Then he has an RBI double in his third at bat. Then he has an out in there, and then he hits a home run to seal the game, and I think at the time put Texas up 11-3 to in a Game 7 that they kicked ass. And Adolis Garcia was two feet away from 4-5, for five, three home runs, six RBIs. But instead he had to settle for 4-5, for five, two home runs, five RBIs, and oh, by the way, setting a Major League Baseball record for most RBIs in a single playoff series by hitting 14 RBIs in a seven-game series against the Tex- against the Houston Astros. The guy in the middle of the entire brawl between the clone army of Houston and this upstart Texas Ranger team, he's the one who inserts himself into the controversy and in Game 7 basically hit three home runs. Like, that's just one of the greatest 
performances I've ever seen. In his final six at-bats of the series, because again, after he hit the home run in game five and then got hit by a pitch and ejected, he struck out four times in a row to start game six and then finished the series five for six, three home runs, nine RBIs, and oh, by the way, he was two feet away from hitting a fourth home run in six at-bats that would have led to 10 runs batted in. Like one of the greatest postseason stretches of six at-bats of any player in the history of the sport. And he did it while being inserted right into the middle of a brawl between these two teams of the Astros having the most villainous comeback victory to win game five at their home building. And then Adolis Garcia goes into Houston and goes five for six, three home runs, nine RBIs, and was two feet away from a fourth home run that would have added up to 10 RBIs in a six at bat stretch. And what did the Astros do? Or sorry, what did the Texas Rangers do? After Adolis Garcia came up for that sixth at bat, they outscored the Houston Astros 15 to 4 in the final 11 innings. In Adolis Garcia's final six turns at bat, outscored Houston 15 to 4. Beat that ass to win in seven games, go to the World Series. And it's just such a fun story to root for. Adolis Garcia and beyond. Like that story in and of itself was so amazing, so good to root for. And it was one of the most badass moments I can remember in any playoff baseball series. The story of Adolis Garcia is the story of this baseball season. And the Texas Rangers are in the World Series, win or lose. It's still the amazing story because that's the thing we talk about with playoff baseball. Playoff baseball is filled of random people who become heroes in the playoffs, whether it's Eddie Rosario winning National League Championship Series MVP after he was a trade deadline acquisition by the Braves or the Braves just winning the World Series while completely reinventing half of their batting lineup. Or the Washington Nationals losing Bryce Harper, winning a world championship with Howie Kendrick, ending his baseball career with a home run off the foul pole in Game 7 that took the lead for the Astros in the world, or against the Astros in the World Series for the Nationals. Like, there's all sorts of ridiculous playoff baseball stories that we can find. Nathan Eovaldi used to be one when he was in, in Boston, reinventing his career after arm injuries in Miami, arm injuries in Tampa, gets to Boston, finally puts it all together and wins a league championship series MVP and closes out game four of a world series that went 18 innings long. Like there's stories all over the place of wild playoff moments. Randy Arosarena was one that we talked about earlier in 2020, the 26th out of 26 guys on the playoff roster making $90,000 that season and beating the Houston Astros and beating the New York Yankees while making $90,000 and being the last guy to make the playoff roster. Like, there's all sorts of stories like that every postseason. And this year, Adolis Garcia is that story. To break the record for RBIs in a, in a series. And by the way, he had 14 RBIs in the series. He had, if my math is correct, he had 12 of them from the 
sixth inning of game five onward, which is freaking ridiculous to hit 12 RBIs and essentially five home runs within a span of like 12 at-bats and to have a stretch in there where he struck out four times in a row. Like Adolis Garcia ended that series with three-run homer in game five, hit by a pitch and gets ejected, strikes out four consecutive at-bats, grand slam to end game six, two feet away from a home run to kick off game seven. Instead, it's an RBI single in the, I think that was the first inning, I want to say. Then home run, home run, and a, a essentially RBI double after the fact. Like, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Adolis Garcia had one of the great moments in the history of playoff baseball, and the end result is Texas makes the World Series, and Adolis Garcia gets to live forever, forever, for having the most badass response to one of the most dramatic and memorable baseball games I can remember in the five years of doing this podcast. It was incredible, it was dramatic, and it's a series and a moment that we will remember forever, forever, because of how amazing that playoff run was. And that's the story that I wanted to tell with Adolis Garcia and the Texas Rangers that is just absolutely fantastic. Thank you for topping in today. I hope you guys found as much joy from this story as I had telling it. Uh, leave a five-star review, downloads, any and all support greatly appreciated on this show. Uh, we are going to have more episodes later this week and into next week. We're going to break down the World Series a little bit more uh, with Razor Rosenthal and just following the series ourselves over the coming days. Friday's Game 1, and I'm very excited to... To dive into that. We had a whole seven game series between the Phillies and Diamondbacks that we haven't even gotten to. So we'll save that for another day. Uh, Thank you for stopping in everybody. We will talk to you again tomorrow. And in the meantime, take it easy. Episode five, the Dodger Empire strikes back. After five days of battles, A perfect 13 innings from the bullpen fleet, and help from a rally goose. Captain Juan Soto and the San Diego Resistance blew up the Holy Dodger Empire's 111-win Death Star, restoring a balance to the Force. After their incredible victory, the Resistance discovers they still have much to learn after a journey to the Dagobah system and a visit to Master Harper on the swamp planet known as Philadelphia. Meanwhile, the Holy Dodger Empire grows in wealth, pillaging the backs of Diamond and Purple Rockies once more for resources. The Empire has removed Captains Trey and Justin Turner while banishing Cody Bellinger to the north side. Master Cohen and his Met Army of Queens continue spending their unprecedented resources in an attempt to maintain control of their Empire State along the eastern seaboard. In addition, Master Cohen and his Met Army of Queens, along with the Holy Dodger Empire, prepare themselves for the impending arrival of Master Otani, the fabled Jedi Knight from Anaheim who legend says has the ability to master and control both sides of the Force.
Despite their successes, the Resistance is losing resources and ground, trying to compete with the tyranny of the Holy Dodger Empire. They've fled to the backs of Diamond in order to re-coordinate their efforts for the following season. In their time of need, Captain Juan Soto enlists help from a former Resistance ally, Fernando Calrissian, also known as El Nino. The Resistance also pays a hefty price for Xander Bogart's defection from the once great Boston Empire. With the help of Captain Soto, the return of El Nino, Xander the Carpenter, Joe Musgrove, Jedi Master Manny Machado, and Supreme Closer Lord Hader, the Resistance knows this season will be their best chance to dismantle the Holy Dodger Empire once and for all. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.